Hey everyone, it is episode 194 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, although, you know, the 15, I don't know, we're going to be going through a rebrand here pretty soon, maybe we'll start calling it 20, you know, maybe we'll just change that up a little bit, because that seems to be a little bit closer to truth and advertising, <laughs> but truth and advertising again this week, all three of us are here, which is pretty cool, and I think we might be pushing that 20 minutes this week, oh, so let's, no, come on, let's, move. let's just, just <laughs> jump in right away. Last week, we started our favorite series, Andy's favorite series, yeah, right. every year, the Great Question <laughs> series. And we were posed with a question that asked if the Bible was still relevant to our culture today. And I hadn't really, I thought this was almost an out of the blue question <laughs> until now this week, there's been so many applications to it that I've cool. just bumped into. And the answer probably didn't surprise you. I mean, we are in Christian <laughs> church after all. The answer is yes. And Andy said, that only happens when we read the Bible, and it happens best when on every page of the Bible we hear God promising, I am with you, and asking, will you be with me? Only happens when we read it. Seems like maybe the best thing we can remember about that whole thing. Mm -hmm. It just only happens at that time. All right, we went on to another question this week. And man, this was like a, the title alone seems as though we're talking about the hat trick of rules and conformity. Conscience, free will, and subjugation. How does conscience, free will, and compliance to a denomination fit together? Anyone else looking right past these three in search for their happy place? I know I was. <laughs> you know, just yeah, like, me too. Where, where, the, <laughs> where, where does one go to get away from this? But one of your statements, Andy, early on really seemed to put a nice bow on this package on all three of these ideas of conscience, free will, and subjugation to the denomination. You said – much of the pursuit of freedom today always seems to involve the rejection of authority. I can't say I've been a big fan of authority during my lifetime. I mean, I don't know that many of us are like, you're like, whoa, how cool. Let's, let's, let's conform. Yes. Well, I, I had a member talking to me afterwards. He said, I've always had a problem with, with authority. And uh, we were both laughing about how we don't think either of us would have made it in the military. <laughs> right. I thought of that too because I'm like, I would have been the worst person ever to be in the military and I probably would have gotten dishonorably discharged. I, I admire their discipline and respect for authority, but I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I could have always <laughs> kowtowed to it. I'm not sure. Well, that's one of the things that I, I really thought about early on was I realized that there's plenty of people in my life that I've been happy to be under the authority of. Mm. I mean, they have dealt with me fairly. They've been kind in that process in their dealings with me. And they've, you know, they demonstrated that my growth, my protection or my skills, knowledge, those kinds of things were being advanced in the process of them having that authority or me giving them that authority. So you don't mind the authority we have over you? Then. No. I, I, in fact, was it last week? No, I wasn't here. I wasn't here last week. It was the week prior. Two guys, they did a reading up front. And I can't remember. They oh, did yeah. the, the, scripture, first, oh, the scripture, scripture reading. Yeah. And they were having a conversation behind me. And like, guys, I hope you're listening because I gave you the link on Spotify. And they're like, man, we are so lucky to have Andy every week breaking this stuff down oh, in a way that we can consume it. And it doesn't make it, you know, PhD level. <laughs> it just puts it in ways that I can understand it. And, and the preaching in general here at the church. And I thought to myself, and I, and I told them, I said, I am blessed to sit with Andy and Jeff. Two people that I admire and two people that I trust, and and I get to do this every week. And they're like, "Well, you have a po we have a podcast," and I'm like, "Oh man, uh, rebranding." It's We're a secret. Have, it's yeah, a it's secret. a secret. But uh, I think it's easy to refute all the authority. But how do we embrace and relent to the right authority? Because I think when we realize that we gravitate to something, what about that process is so inviting 
that we wanted and what is so repulsive about the other that we just like, ah, I don't want to do that. Well, I think I talked about it in the sermon in the in the most of our rebellion against authority is really not against authority. We use all kinds of authorities every day and we value authority. Authoritarianism, authority corrupted, authority gone bad is what we don't like. Uh, when when people try to Jesus said it when he talked to the disciples, you know, and you've heard it, you know, among the the Gentiles, they sure. lord over each other. You know, the rulers lord it over. And lording it over is really a, an authority gone bad. Yeah. Uh, r- ruling and helping to keep ordering culture or society or community is a very valuable thing. But as soon as it slips from being k- keeping things in order to do it my way, yeah. You know, that, that becomes, that moves from authority to authoritarianism. I think that's one of the reasons, you know, I don't want to get off too far off, but I think, no. I think that's the reason why Christ came is to help us understand what authority really looks like. Especially, you know, we don't, mm. we don't have theocracy in a sense. I mean, I think God was trying to help the world understand what it meant to have a one true God mm. over his people, so to speak. He wanted that to, but even back then they were grossly misrepresenting what a theocracy actually looks like. So Christ comes and I think he gives us the understanding of why theocracy or why, you know, when Paul talks about us being servants of God, yeah, that was to understand that God is in love with his people and he is totally in charge. Now, when we think about that, that sounds good as authority. <laughs> sure, yeah. But but when you know, like Andy said, when it gets misused, when you know, power corrupts and so forth, then yeah, then we rebel against that because then all of a sudden we think our freedom's taken away. When in actuality, you get more freedom. Well, if you go to a if you go to a show, and you have to be friends of the producer of that show, he has the authority or she has the authority to take you backstage. She has the authority, they have the authority yeah. to to give you the the inside track, so to speak. Well, nobody's going to rebel against that kind of authority. No, you'll no, not like it. Right. And that's really that's the difference between thinking of it as oppressive as enabling. And good authority should be an enabler of our lives, not a disabler of our lives. But because of authoritarianism, <laughs> we have it mixed up a little bit. And we have yeah. plenty of examples of that. Oh, plenty to. of examples. So, yeah. I mean, you think it almost make it a little bit easier. But yet we just seem to take authority and just kind of clump it all together, and it's like, that's authority. It's bad. Yeah. Stay back. In our culture today, the group think, the absence of absolutes, the rebellion against truth, anti-institutionalism, uh, so the big voice of authority in a community maybe, mm-hmm. goes to sort of a re- – sort of, I'm not – rebellion is probably not the best word, but just sort of anti-authoritarian. Sure. Uh, we, we, don't, we want to be all law unto ourselves a little bit more. And really, that's a heavy burden to bear, to think that you have to be the authority on everything for your life. Sure. That's exhausting. I, when, it was, when my washing machine breaks down, I don't want to be the authority. No, you know? <laughs> no I don't. I, I, it's going to get repaired. I'm calling somebody who yeah. is an authority on <laughs> washing machines. And that frees me from having to think about it. I yeah, there, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, well, there is a, there's a side of this, too, when it comes to even relationships. Because the last thing you want, and you know, I'll just say out, shout out to all these young couples that are thinking about 
weddings and marriage and <laughs> premarital. The last thing you want is to have a spouse that thinks that they are the authority on everything or they are God. You really <laughs> want somebody who has a God in their life that's an authority, mm-hmm. that they are accountable to. Because I think in a loving relationship, both partners should have another person that they're accountable to, a God, okay. a, a, a Hmm. superior being, so to speak. And then also to have the freedom to acknowledge that each spouse has authority in realms. Yeah. So, you know, where one person might be really good with keeping the books of the family, another person might be really good with with the aesthetics of of the the home, and and those might be very different places of authority, but you have to learn to respect that. Okay, that's your that's that's sort of in your wheelhouse. That's your yeah. you're the authority there. I'll I'll submit to that. Yeah, we matter of fact we we say that's kind of a complementary relationship, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't study and learn and understand how valuable that is in the relationship. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it also you were talking about the weight of all of this being on our shoulders, but I think some of it gets thrust on us as a community of believers because people will not look at God. They'll look at well, how are his followers mm-hmm. doing in all this, and how ah, are they, so good. how are they leading? How are they mm-hmm. representing mm-hmm. this model? And I think that's also where we get confused, and we allow people to put that on us when we should really be, or our life should be an example of no, 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 no. This is mm-hmm. not the this is not my authority. This is Bible. This is Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is who we're following. And I, I screwed it all up. I didn't say it right. I didn't do it right. I'm not acting right. It's not that, and I think that's even more mm-hmm. to watch out for to be, or to be at least con- re- keep it in our mind. I love the examples you used of Pilate's dilemma with the Jews, and I want to talk about the free will angle for a moment. And this could be a rabbit hole that I shouldn't open, but I want to do it anyway. And I want to add that Pharaoh as an example. I've been, I've been reading yeah. through Exodus uh-huh. on this yearly that's plan. Great. So repeatedly, Pilate has the opportunity to do the right thing. He could have just said, forget it, guys. I'm not doing it. Can't find any fault. Yeah. You, guys, you guys get Barabbas or you get nothing. Yeah. He could have said that. Pharaoh survives the plagues, has every chance possible to let my people go and let this all be over. We're not, mm-hmm. We don't have to kill the young children. We don't have to do any of this. But in both of these cases, I've always struggled with the free will. If Pilate does what's right and follows his conscience, he sets Jesus free, gives the Jews Barabbas. Doesn't that just throw out long foretold prophecy? In that case, I mean, because this is all done. So is this predetermined? And then let me, I'll I'll just finish and I'll let you answer. And then God continually tells Moses that he, God, is going to harden Pharaoh's heart that he'll not let his people go, only to inflict more devastation. Ultimately, we have the last of these plagues, the death, and it's on the whole nation of Egypt before Pharaoh temporarily gives in. So is God speaking in the, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and that he knows if the beginning from the end, and therefore he knows Pharaoh's decisions in advance. So he knows that, hey, there's nothing I could have done that it's going to make any difference or because he knows, he knows what he would have to do to influence it, to make it turn out the way he wants to. So or maybe, I, maybe he just knows the stubbornness of the human heart, Ooh. you know? Okay. And, and so I, I hear these a lot when we come, these are the stories <laughs> that when it comes to Pilate, because it's so clear and Pilate had such an opportunity mm-hmm. and Pharaoh too. I mean, he's, he knew what he was up against when he saw these guys doing, these these miracles and and even though his magicians could do some but when he when they let go and they couldn't anymore it's like whoa but pilot pilot succumbs to self preservation from his perspective well that's true yeah uh, that's mm-hmm. that's really what he does he he thinks if I, I if I become known as not being a friend of Caesar's which is what they threaten if you if, right. you, if you don't put this guy to death you're no friend of Caesar right that was the last big threat of Pilate. 
And he's like, okay, I've already had three bad rounds with Caesar. I'm already in a little bit of hot water. If he gets word <laughs> that I'm I'm harboring another king yeah. in my midst, you know, I'm going to lose my job. My family's going to go, you know, upside down. We're going to have trouble. And then, then on top of that, his wife's you know midnight nightmare about this man Jesus. So Pilate's just trying to figure out how to get out of this thing and hopefully save some face for himself and protect his job. It was self-preservation. And it's really interesting. Most bad choices toward sin are really steps in our minds that we think it's self-preservation. Yeah. And with Pharaoh, I mean, it would be pretty easy to look on. I mean, I think God would have liked Pharaoh to, you know, kind of, after the first plague, say, you know what, you, you got a point there, God. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm going to let those people go. I think God would have loved that. I think Moses and Aaron would have loved that. But, you know, when you look at it, there's Pharaoh dealing with his own egotism and his own arrogance. And, and, and so, yeah, from an outside appearance, somebody would write down God for, for you know, harden his heart. But in actuality, his heart was pretty already hardened. It's just that it looked like this was coming. And it was a battle between two gods. Pharaoh, happens Pharaoh to was a god. god. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh yeah, saw himself course. as god, and course, yeah. there's the true god. And okay. so there's this battle going on, and Pharaoh keeps digging in. No, I'm God. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just odd that these two come up in that conversation. When it comes to free will, it's come up a lot that those two are examples that are cited. And I know... You know, I don't know how the original text translates to, you know, God is going to harden his heart. I mean, but the thought process has got to be somewhat close to it, I suppose. But people say, well, if he hardened his heart, well, then what choice did he have? And it's like, well, yeah, I, I, well, I think that was already the problem. Yeah, sun hardens clay and melts wax. So, <laughs> so there's something about what you come with to the party. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Well, I wanted to get your perspective on that because that's one that I hear quite a bit. And I like the fact that when Pilate came into this and the way you laid that out, I thought that was really good. And then anytime we can add Martin Luther to the discussion, yeah. it seems like we're on the right track. And here's an example of someone whose identity, life, Everything about him was completely submersed in and influenced by his denomination, but ultimately he has to make a choice. And he comes to the conclusion that God's authority alone, you said, is worth is worthy of directing his life. And we probably all know people that we have come in contact with, maybe people we go to church with or have gone to church with, that hold the domination just a little too tight, hold it maybe in a little bit too high a regard. And I'm not throwing shade or attempting to be divisive, but... A denomination, and that not just ours, any denomination is man-made institution that's going to get things wrong. And we have to, right, just like Martin Luther, we have to decide what side that's going to be, what side we're going to be on. How have denominations achieved such lofty and sometimes maybe even an equal or a greater than status to God when it comes to people that just want to hold on so tight? How does, how does that How All does our that psychologists happen? talk about identity <laughs> and holding on to a group think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it is interesting because there is always, uh, in of all denominations, that we who speak about religious freedom have a huge history of kind of championing people like Martin Luther, John Huss, sure. John. I mean, a lot of these people that are in somewhat of our kind of our, our history, we go back to those people because of their conscience. And uh, the decisions they made as a result of their conscience. But in every organization, it tries to protect itself. Yeah. And so 
I think part of this happens when we have to make a decision. Do I want to be loyal to an organization that I find identity in? Or do I look to what, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit or my conscience is telling me? And I hope that's one and the same. Well, Martin Luther, uh, one of the most incredible things he says in, in that famous quotation there at Worms is that, my conscience is held captive to the Word of God. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, that there can be a lot of freedom in that. Um, at times when I have found myself questioning or challenging authority and its, its exercise in my life, one of the questions I have to go back and ask myself, is this because I'm discomforted by it? Or is it truly because right. I believe the Word of God says something else? Sure. It, when, when the Word of God is clear on an issue and you can sort of validate that, then your conscience can be a held captive to the Word of God. You have a higher authority, really, than anything for yourself. And you're not saying everybody in that everybody's making that decision is a right, bad right, person right, right, or right. wrong, but you're somebody saying, I can't go there sure. because I believe the Word of God says this. And I, I think there's some things that, that we, we've been conformed to uh, of our world sure. that are much more dangerous than the issues we would bring up. Yeah. I think there, the, the whole concepts of... Any form of salvation by works is a huge, yeah. a huge, horrible heresy, and, and, and I think Scripture is totally against. And yet sometimes uh, statements from a, a, any denomination might state something that really is sort of not supporting that. Yeah. And in, in those moments, you have to hold to what you believe Scripture says really tenaciously. Um, and if the Scripture is clear... And you're believe the Holy Spirit's giving you interpretation. You have to be true to your conscience, informed by the Word. And I think we have to be okay with that personally, like inside, like you sure. just said, because it's not like we're telling people that they're bad if they don't agree with us. But in many cases, it can be the denomination telling you, "Hey, listen, this is what we believe, and you need to be on board with this because that's if you're calling yourself this." then you need to believe this. So I think you have to be comfortable with that in yourself. Like you just said, you have to have confidence and believe that God is telling you something right. and, and to just say, I, I'm okay with that no matter what anybody says. And there are, there are times when denominations will spend enormous amounts of money to study an issue and become and come to considerably great clarity on yeah. it. And then if, if authority is speaking against that clarity – then there's authoritarianism going on, right? Not not authority, and so that's why it feels like it feels suppressive. It feels weighty. It feels uncomfortable because it's not an authority that's helping you and enable you. It's an authority that is oppressing you because they're saying, regardless of what that says, this is where we're going to go. Right. But I think the example that you gave from our denomination, number fourteen in our fundamental <laughs> beliefs. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into all that, but that's okay. I think what I take away from that is that. To me, it's very clear that they got that wrong as far as women's ordination to say if we're going to believe number 14 of what we believe, unity right. in the body of Christ, right. we are not race, religion, male or female, all this stuff. And so, no discrimination. Right, no discrimination. And But I can feel confident in that. And I think the other thing is to weather the storm mm -hmm. because when it first came out, it was like sides are drawn and so are the swords and everyone can just duke it out. We don't care. And it was it was a little toxic. But I feel like now if you bring up the subject and you – it's kind of calmed down a little bit and people are a little bit more open to say, you know, I'm not really sure. I mean I was pretty – ooh, I was pretty black and white on this. But now eh, I think it's a little bit gray and there's at least – it feels like there's a little bit more room for dialogue and a little more room for growth. It's always going to be the first people through the gate that are going to get <laughs> it the worst and then the, the, the longer you go – 
it seems like, well, maybe, maybe we can examine this. Maybe we can have dialogue. So we'll see. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. What's the one thing that we should take away from this multi-headed question that we have? I mean, we kind of touched on all three parts, but what should we take away from this question? Go ahead, Jeff. Well, (laughs) and you just touched on it, I think. Um, I do think that as an organization, we owe it to those who want to be identified by this organization. I think we owe it to the God of who we we belong to, who allows us the freedom to come let us reason together. And I think the organization owes it to those who call themselves a part of that organization, that there's not always going to be. I mean, let's face it. We are all very, very different. And it owes, uh, I think, us all the ability to dialogue these issues out. Absolutely. And and we come at it with a Christ-like spirit of still being able to maybe disagree and still love and still be able to carry out our mission. And I think that's the part that we get hung up on is all of a sudden everybody stops what God really asks us to do. Right. <laughs> and uh, and so I, I do think that that's been also the cry on the other side is that uh, we're not going to listen to you. We're not going to reason together because we have a higher calling. And I, I think that's wrong too. I think yeah. that in the midst of our calling to what Christ has asked us to do, love one another and to follow him, that there are going to be people doing that in different ways, and we need to be able to manage that. I like that. that. The last yeah. part, we all are going to find right. – people are going to gravitate to Jesus through each of us differently. And whether we believe A, B, C, or D, and whether those are all collective in a group of us, we're still going to do work. So don't stop working right. while the rest of this gets <laughs> yeah. decided. Let's keep moving and forward. And I think the thing is to sort of check ourselves. Yeah. Check ourselves that that our resistance to authority is not because we just want to do what we want to do. Right. right. That our resistance to authority is because we have a higher authority that says something different. Mm-hmm. Right. In other words, I, I, I really it, I do believe the scripture says this, therefore, right. as opposed to ah, I feel like this. You know, yeah, this, like, this, this this suits me better. Like I want to be difficult. <laughs> I've right. prayed I've prayed over it, I've read it, I believe it. So I'm gonna be a little yeah. obstinate. And we should never be resistant to accountability. We are sure. not God. Right. Thank goodness. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. This week, one of our FHC takeaways asked, how hard is it for you to abandon rebellious independence and let God be God? And this takeaway was one that spoke to me personally and maybe many of you listening as well. Uh, There may be no better words to describe the majority of my life than rebellious independence in many ways. (laughs) But I didn't always feel like it was a conscious choice. It was just the person who I was. And many things have gone and have gone right. Many things have gone wrong under that scenario. But what I found in for myself is maybe everything wasn't always danger and doom. But now, if I'm intentional about praying over things and giving it to God and just saying, it's the answer that I find through this process is going to be the best answer that I could possibly have. It still may not give me the results that I want, but I have to trust and have faith that God is pushing me in a direction for something that I don't know. So finding a balance and another outlet to use that drive, that rebellious drive you may have, use it for good and find perseverance while leaving God at the helm is the challenge, but ultimately it's rewarding. I found that to be true. All right. Let's see. Final thoughts this week are from Andy's message. It was a quote by, is it J.I. Packer? Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of him before. Great theologian. It said, real freedom is only ever found under authority, God's authority in Christ. 
authority which reaches us via God's written word. We can only have the freedom we want when we receive it on God's terms by giving up our rebellious independence and letting God be God to us. I like the sounds of God oh, promising that. Meant to say. That's good. Well, <laughs> it's never too late. That's what Jeff meant to say. I did like what you said anyway, but all right. That's going to do it for this week. And what do we have? Another question yeah, yet? Another question this week by Greg Freak will be addressing uh, oh, that's right. how do I sort of have confidence in the Bible with all its ambiguities. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. Well, you're not going to want to miss that. And of course, the countdown to church retreat is getting more and more real every day. There's branding things that are happening here. There's going to be new stuff in the app. There's going to be all kinds of things happening. But swipe up in today's show notes and make sure you get registered for church retreat. All the same stuff is in there. Join us again next Wednesday. And thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week.